Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Calgary Flames game day. Get your helmet on. Vegas Golden Knights. Flames can clinch a playoff spot with a point. Uh-huh. And Vegas needs all the points they can get. They are okay. on the outside looking in. 40 wins doesn't get you what it used to. 40, 29, and 5 are the Golden Knights. Eight games left. And they're going to have to have some. Well, you got to win six of the eight. Get some loser points. Oof, you're going to need some help. If you get six, eight, you need LA to stumble against a bad team, which certainly happens in this league a lot. But that King schedule, you know, so much easier than the Vegas one. You don't have a St. Louis, you don't have a Dallas, you don't have a Calgary, you don't have an Edmonton. So if the LA Kings, who have been sliding, they lose last night, home to Columbus, in Anaheim, home to Chicago, home to Anaheim, then up to Seattle, and then in Vancouver. So you have n- named no playoff teams there, you noted that? Uh, that is correct. And Vancouver's been playing hard, but in the last game of the year, they'll be eliminated. Vegas? Meanwhile, they got a St. Louis, they got a Dallas, Edmonton Oof. on Saturday. Tonight. They've got a Washington in there as well. That's a, a much harder schedule. You have five playoff teams on one side and zero on the other. So how do we feel about it? Is anybody I think uh, it's gonna be a good chase because I, I think Vegas is the better team. I, I think they're finally in a spot to play their best hockey for the first time all year. But the Kings also seem like a club, the way they play, they should take care of business against lesser foes. So here we are. Yeah. Buckle up. Flames, meanwhile, Daryl was asked, because you had it in the Pinder report, well, you know, we got to get some practice in, you know, the workload. Well, if guys can play, they're going to play. Still, Vegas is one of those teams that Daryl has circled. Yeah, there is. It's a real strong one, but a lot of it's based on your schedule. Sorry, 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 no, no, sorry. No, 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 they no, have no, the no. full squad. They're the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Other than the team that has the Stanley Cup, they're the favorites. You know, they get $100 million payroll. So they got to figure out how to keep 20 out. It's such a... Where's the Daryl Sportsbook? If they're the favorites, I'd love to bet on Colorado in a sportsbook. That has been his... Uh, that's been the, the whole story. Almost from the time he was hired. Vegas Edmonton, Vegas Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Now, when they run up against Colorado, he sort of sang a song about don't waste eight days in the jet fuel. Yeah, but so, within di- in the division. In the division, yeah. all year, it's consistently been, those are the two big teams. And to your point, they're as close to being healthy slash full strength as they've probably been all year. Eichel has got, well, what's Eichel played now? He has played 26 games. Mark Stone came back two nights ago against Vancouver. They've brought, I mean, Shea Theodore's playing out of his mind right now. But he really got, is. They've got uh, some bodies back on the blue line. Leonard missed some time. He's back. And I think, like most teams, it's, it, it's kind of there where the best player is going to have to be if they're going to get in. Leonard's going to have to be strong. He has... Uh, He's played four in a row. He missed 12 games. He's not right, he's but he's not, playing. He's, I mean, he's playing through stuff, clearly. Laurent Brassois, the backup, he is on the IR, so it's Logan Thompson, the so, Calgarian. Emergency, emergency recall. Uh, now, 
Thompson had won four straight prior to Leonard coming off the IR and getting back into the net. That said, if they're going to get in, it's because Leonard's probably going to get hot and get them there. I'm curious. I mean, tonight's going to be fun, no doubt. But Edmonton-Vegas, that's a probable first-round matchup. Or potential, but yes. Yeah, like it's it's uh, probably around coin toss territory that Edmonton could play them. I'll look at the numbers right now. It is uh, their 58% chance Edmonton to face L.A., 32 to face Vegas, and then there's a small outlier. It could be something else, I yeah. suppose, because that math doesn't work. Um, but if you're playing a team that you know you could line up next to, that's going to be a fun one. And I think tonight it's also one where you don't worry about the Flames. Like, okay, are they going to sleepwalk through 40 minutes like they did against Seattle? They've rarely done it this year. And when they have, it's been lesser opponents. This is not a lesser opponent, as, as you alluded to. The coach has been talking about this team as big dogs all year. And I, to that point, if you were to put uh, Daryl in a spot, having, uh, having a couple shots after a game, hey, this game, what's the percentage of we just need the Flames need to be the Flames, we need to get right, we need to play well, mm-hmm. and how much of it is put a nail in their coffin. You can bury these guys. That yeah. You you may not you may not have to deal with them if you get out of round number one. I think there's some I think there's something to it. We talked about their schedule. This feels like if they leave here with zero, that's a significant blow to their playoff chances. I I agree. I and Edmonton's it's not a back to back, but it's a tight turn. It's a Saturday afternoon. So it's not like you like it's there are worse portions of a schedule, but Edmonton's they're trying to do things too right now. That's a club that what we we looked at the other day. They have one regulation loss since that blowout at the dome. Oilers have tightened up defensively, and that's the one thing that's been un-Vegas about Vegas this year. They've had all the injuries, they've had, you know, a, a ton of bad luck. The goaltender's numbers aren't spectacular. Defensively, they've been really leaky. Woodley's talked about it all year. That environment that Leonard's had to play in or whoever else has been in net is one of the leakier ones of teams you'd expect to be in the playoffs. So for whatever reason, they're not playing Pete DeBoer hockey. And you're you're, you're far enough removed now that I don't think – I'm trying to remember who we talked to – that you had obviously something special when you came into the league and – there was obviously the tragedy that happened in Vegas, and everybody that was a Golden Knight was someone who was left on the side of the road by their former team. So we're band of misfits, right? There's just not a lot of that left. You no. still got Marcia so God, and no. Carlson and that, but you know, Dadanov and Eichel and Pacioretty. You're not those talking guys about an expansion there. team here. Yeah. This isn't like San Jose four years out when they arrived, or you know, Columbus. Like this is a heavyweight in the NHL. This is not an expansion team. So I don't know what you're looking at. Is it a collection of talented hockey players that haven't meshed? They haven't been healthy. That's what I see. Or to the and I was going to say, or is it a situation where you have not had enough of those guys healthy for any amount of time at one time because they've they've been absolutely thrashed with the injury bug? You talk on one side, the Flames have been so fortunate. Vegas very much on the other side. 56 games for Riley Smith, that's missing a lot. 31 games from Pacioretty, that's missing a lot. 29 from Stone, that's missing a lot. 59 from Carlson, that's missing a lot. Janmark has played less than 60. Eichel's played less than 30. Zach Whitecloud, who they love, 
He's played 51 games. McNabb, 61. Everyone has missed significant time, it seems. Martinez has played 18 games this year. This group has been dinged up all year. How they've been lining up, and again, Mark Stone just came back against Vancouver, but how they had their lines set up in that game. Eichel with Nicholas Waugh on the right side and Evgeny Dadnov on the left. Carlson with Marcia So and Mike Amadio. Chandler Stevenson with Stone and Pacioretty. And then Jake Leschishin with Keegan <laughs> Kolasar and Matthias Janmark. So what's your top line? What's your third line? The, the, it's yeah, hard I, to decide. Yeah, I call on one line, Stevenson another, and Stone yeah. on a different one. That's... Um... So I wonder for yeah. Daryl with last change, do you look at Stevenson, Pacioretty, and Stone and say that's that's our focus? I don't know. Well, and I wonder if, how Daryl views the matchup in the sense of he could put that big big line back to, together tonight. Mm-hmm. Could have a practice yesterday. It seems like when he's up against a one-line team or a team that all the eggs are in one basket, like I look at Dallas. They have the one line that's given them almost everything offensively. Pavelski, Rope Hintz, and Robertson. I think he'd be happy to have the, the, the Flames big line together because you either have a checking line with Backland or the big line out against that Dallas line, and everyone else is going to be fine. But with this kind of a matchup, you got to go three deep, and I'm not surprised if we do see the lines of practice yesterday because that makes the Flames more spread out over their top three lines. you got Toffoli on one line, Kachuk on the other, Lindholm and Gaudreau on the top one. Yeah, for, if, if you can wrap your head around it. the it's a lot of uh, names and all that, I get the it. Three, the three lines at practice for the Flames yesterday. The top line, Lindholm and Gaudreau with Manjapani, Kachuk going to play with Backland and Dubé, and then Yarncroke centering Coleman and Toffoli. So it's all kind of blended up there. We'll find out this morning at Morning Skate, but we've the one thing we've seen is there's not a lot of, you know, trying to subterfuge with Daryl trying to mask things. If they practice, chances are they show up for game day skate. Yeah, the, the goalies, good luck guessing, but the lines and pairs have been pretty steady. Yeah. You practice one way, they play that way. Markstrom has played both so far against Vegas, one of them a win, one of them a loss. They play again on Saturday against Arizona at home before leaving for back-to-back road games. One of those, you would think, Chicago-Nashville will be Vladar. I anticipate it's Markstrom tonight. So. I would think so. The way Daryl's yeah. talked about him, it's, it feels like an Oiler game. Yeah. And in the Oiler game, we kind of tried to build a case for Vladar, and then when it was announced, like, well, of course he's playing Markstrom. It's the Oilers. He's talked about them all year. Doesn't look like we'll see uh, Stone versus Stone tonight, which is too bad. We did in that first game I where know. they... And that game was interesting. It was all Vegas, and the Flames showed up late to make it look close. That was not a 3-2 game by the way you'd think of it if I told you it was 3-2. And Michael's just been putting up the points too, right? It's going to hurt his Norris campaign, isn't it? Yeah. See, I mean, that's, uh, on one hand, $100 million payroll, got to take 20 out. (laughs) Flames have the the better stone, brother, and he's probably not playing tonight. That's how deep you are. That's the depth that you have here in this city. 7 o'clock game, 6 o'clock warm-up with Steinberg and the, uh, whoever else is there, and a half a point. Can you get half a point? We'll clinch a playoff spot for the Flames. going to be hard. Pat, have you, how, what do you do for a half point? Hmm. You, do you tie in the if you, if you lead after 40, do you get a lead half a point? after 45 minutes. All right, you cancel they stop the game in the third period. Right. thought yeah. 60 would be... Uh... Anyway, uh, we'll break and come back. The Blue Jays... Uh, an early season thriller last night. 
at Yankee Stadium. That was back and forth and dramatic. Yeah. Superstar and, performances. Yeah. Superstar indeed. Cats, caps were tipped. Injuries. Almost injuries. Ben Wagner, play-by-play voice of the Jays when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, the fan. On a Blue Jays. 6-4 win over the Yankees yesterday. Started the night uh, wondering about, you know, where's Barrios at? Where's the pitching status of the starters? What's happening? And it didn't take too long before the uh, the focus, the spotlight shifted to that kid who plays first base. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Not one, not two, three home runs. Key play at the end of the game involved in a situation that certainly could have been a lot worse than it turns out to be. Ben Wagner, play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays. He was in the. He was right in the middle of it, wasn't he? Goodness, what a night! Nice I was. I, I was living it. I was living in the moment. Yeah. The uh, and I guess we can start there uh, with because I said it to Ryan. It, it all's well that ends well. It's two stitches on Vladdy's finger, but man, you think of what if that's a broken finger and then derails his start? What that would mean for the team and all of that? They really did dodge a bullet. Uh, a couple of them, right? You had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in that heart-stopping moment thinking, like, my gosh, did not only the Blue Jays, but did the American League perhaps lose an MVP? And how long is this going to be? But then he shakes it off in the dugout. Then later on in the game, Teoscar Hernandez departs, you know, with, with an apparent, I mean, it looked like an oblique, right? You see that swing, you see the grimace. You've seen it hundreds of times over the course of a year in, in baseball anymore. Uh, that looks significant. We can dive into that later. But uh, Sir Vlad uh, stole the show last night. There's there's no doubt about that. And uh, what was more impressive, obviously, is him staying in and showing absolutely zero effect. You know, playing first base, a couple of really nice plays, and then what he did, what he did at the plate. Um, the the second home run was just ridiculous you know turning at 98 miles an hour on a pitch that was in off the plate like in not even over the plate and vladdy turns around and gets enough barrel on it to smoke it to the back of the bullpen i mean he crushed it and then in the eighth inning he wasn't messing around uh that yankee bullpen is very very good they'd only allowed three earned runs covering almost 30 innings to start the year and vlad gets in there in the eighth inning and his first swing whack to the second deck in left field. These are not Yankee Stadium specials, people. I mean, these are legitimate balls that are just crushed by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's some kind of special. That inside pitch you talk about, that's a crazy one. Someone had posted an overhead photo of the, the pitch coming into the, I, I want to say batter's box, like it's, it's not over the plate. I don't know how you hit that almost straight. Like that, 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 that seemed to me like the, the baseball nerds, that was the one that really sent them off the rocker. Yeah. The third one went further and it was a second deck shot. Um, and you know, the, the, the double Garrett Cole tips his cap, like, okay, that's three different pitches you've got me on, but the ability to somehow hit that ball there just seems like physically impossible. Like how do you take something like just off your wrists and put it like almost to center field over the wall? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's talent that, uh, unfortunately, guys, we'll, we will never, ever, ever understand. <laughs> but 
you know, he has had some mystifying swings, right? Think back to the Zach Britton home run that he crushed. Zach Britton, I think, had thrown that pitch like 3,000 times, and he'd never given up a home run on the same pitch. And it's that devastating bowling ball. That was back, I think, in 2019. Um, he's He's gone after pitches over the outer part of the plate that have looked unhittable, and he is so strong. And with that bat speed and the where he connects and why he connects it at the time that he is able to pull it all together, he just does things that normal players, not even human beings that you know that are working at this craft for their entire life can do. Uh, he's, he's doing things that Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, the, the great sluggers, the dangerous sluggers in the game have not done and Vladdy's getting to these pitches and his body is young and it's strong, right? He's got this flexibility and in this off season, he worked a lot on mobility and the mobility is full body strength. And that's why he can look at a pitch or miss a pitch that's down and away, like the one prior to that heater that came up and in at 98 miles an hour and that upper body strength, but yet the, the bat speed to generate, to get the barrel through, I mean, most guys get that sequence and they, they come out onto their heels and they tumbled out of the batter's box and maybe it's a check swing. Maybe they take it as a ball. <laughs> this sequence, Vladdy hits a home run. I mean, it's just stupid uh, with what he's able to do. So you talked sort of about the body and, and the off season he had. This has not been the the linear flight to stardom that many expected. He was signed as a 16-year-old. He was always a prodigy. But I remember a couple of spring trainings ago, the buzz in Dunedin might have been like, hey, if they extend a, a, one of these young kids, it might be Bichette or Pearson, not Vladdy, because he had been, there was some injury issue and, and the body was not in great shape. I mean, give him credit. This is a much more athletic fit, Vladdy, than we saw coming out of the pandemic. And, uh, and conversely, it sounds like off the field, he's really working on his English crafts. Brent was saying yesterday he did his first full interview with uh, – Hazel in English a couple days ago. Uh, it seems like a guy that understands what's at stake here. He told me, uh, let's be very clear, all of this, the 100% credit goes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in all of this. Now, he has surrounded himself with people. The organization has provided many resources to make him uh, better at everything and give him every opportunity, which you would expect, you know, with uh, a budding face of a franchise and an entire league. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has to have the commitment to do it. And Vladdy is doing doing it physically uh, and and mentally with whatever obstacles, you know, that are out there on a daily basis. uh, Vladdy is conquering everything that's thrown at him, including performing at an elite level while he's doing all of this. And the demands are ridiculous. You know, I get to see a little bit of it uh, from my vantage point in the media requests, the demands, the sit-down interviews, all the major networks, of course, Sportsnet. And I recall having a conversation near the end of 2019 with Vlad and an encouraging one. We, his English is, is strong enough. Uh, it just had, at that time, dealing with his confidence. And I said, you could do interviews in English if you wanted to. You don't need Tito LeBron, the translator. And he goes, two years. I said, really? You think you're going to do it all in two years? He goes, yes, two years. So he, in his mind, already had this timeline. Now, COVID messed up some things, obviously, and the 
the 2021 season was so crazy and the demands were ridiculous. Um, you could definitely tell when we got shoulder to shoulder again that his English had improved. And here it is, 2022, you know, the confidence of sitting down, doing one-on-one interviews with Hazel. And the translator was in the room. I talked with Hazel about this because I was so I was so glad that the first, you know, interview with him doing English happened in an intimate setting. And a sit-down interview like this, it wasn't, um, you know, on-field, which I think is coming, by the way. Uh, it wasn't an on-field interview, one-on-one, you, you know, with a lot, lot of noise going on. This was, this was the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think that people wanted to know in that interview with Hazel May, and and that was really cool to see. Uh, I think that other stuff, that other stuff is coming, you know, where he's going to be even more confident in talking with reporters. And um, I, again, I'm not in New York, so I didn't see the scrum or understand, uh, you know, how much of it was in English or was, you know, it, translated from Spanish. But the guy is oozing with confidence in every aspect of his life. And that turnaround is 100% when it comes to the dedication to that uh, on Vladdy. And then the body stuff was a look in the mirror, right? Um, When you ask about the the extension, those conversations existed. What was Vladdy going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. the knee problem uh, was going to be a big issue because he's carrying around so much weight. And it's really impressive to see how he's been able to to really turn himself around from that aspect being better life decisions, but also the fact where he's, his body is still maturing at 23 years old. I mean, he's going to get some even bigger man strength coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah, no question. Uh, when do we see him in the two-hole? Bichette's off to a slower start here, but now they're also missing Teoscar theoretically moving forward, and that, that'll thin out that front end of the lineup. I thought he was going to move to the number two slot, at the start of the season. I really did. When they started doing that at the end of spring training, Charlie's kind of rolling out this lineup. I thought, all right, here's here's your indicator. And, you know, credit to Vlad saying, you know what, I really like that number three spot. I don't feel as rushed. I don't feel, you know, that that uh, I need to do much. I can get an extra at bat watching somebody out on the mound and figure out kind of the repertoire of what a guy's going to pitch to a really dangerous hitter in George Springer, what he's going to do to Bo. And, and then you get that protection knowing Teoscar is right behind you. And so far, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is making a lot of contact. Charlie, Charlie's going to have to do something, you know, with two significant bats. Um, perhaps, you, you know, kind of not, not performing. And, and Chapman would be an interesting person to put in that number two spot if he had it going a little bit and maybe relax the pressure on Vlad. But, uh, if, if tonight's not the night, then then you know that Vladdy Vladdy really wants to stay in that number number three spot. And of course, it'd be hard to rattle a guy's cage after he launches three blasts right in the Bronx. But uh, you know, I I would think that that move is coming just out of necessity. And why wouldn't you want to ensure ninth inning at bat with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. again? Think about this. Think about this last night, right? If Vladdy is in that number two hole, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, he already has the three home runs. Guess what the order was last night in the ninth? Nine, one, and two. Yeah. If he was batting two, he would have had a shot for a four-homer game. <laughs> well, uh, and then the inning uh, before that, or excuse me, in the seventh, it was Bichette coming up with two outs, not him with Springer on, um, if I'm correct. Like, There's been a lot of times, and it's probably because Bichette's not hitting very well right now, but... Uh, he's the better hitter. I'd like to see more at-bats at the end of the year for him than Bichette if I had to pick, right? 
you, know, you would. You want your best hitters getting more at-bats, right? I mean, George Springer's locked in right now. He's the, the easy leadoff guy. If Springer was struggling like Bo, I think we'd be having a conversation, you know, like, oh, would you flip-flop Bo just to get somebody that's generating a lot of contact? Um, Bo had the double in front of the, the Vladdy home run. Um, you know, so it's earlier in the game, that is. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like Bo's, Bo's getting his rips. Bo's taking his hacks uh, out of spring training. Bo wasn't pressing. He actually felt pretty good where he was. Uh, I, I think that will come, and he's made some hard contact too. I know that you know. You look at the Yankee series and you panic, right? Four strikeouts feel like fourteen strikeouts for these guys. One loss feels like you dropped a, a four-game series. Uh, but but I think the Blue Jays, if they're going to be without Teoscar Hernandez for a long time, and until Bo gets it going, they've got to tweak something. Uh, injury concern around Teoscar Hernandez, and what's the update on Danny Jansen? Just the latest on those two fronts. Uh, lots of injury concern on Teoscar Hernandez. And watching Teoscar go down the tunnel last night and fire off his batting helmet and try to stay in that at bat prior to the demonstrative finish you know, to that night as he disappears, that, that tells me that there's a big problem. You know, he, he felt the wince. You could see it. Uh, he got back in the batter's box, and then for Teoscar, you know, they, they, he made contact, right? And then runs out of the box and basically powers down. That That's a problem. Um, it, it's a big problem. I know he's going to have the MRI in New York this morning, and then the timeline will kind of be rolled out. The The other issue is what's the stopgap? If it's going to be a couple of weeks, but obliques like Janos, Janos is going to be gone a month, you know, being – being a catcher, that's going to demand a lot more on your body and the squats, the throws, the blocks that he's going to have to facilitate here. Uh, Teoscar being an outfielder, but Teoscar, you know, he, he he needs that strength in the upper half, and that's the landing leg that he came away, the front left side, you know, where I know it's not the drop and drive with a lot of this, but that torque to finish a swing for Teoscar is all too important for him. And it all has to work together, you know, and you don't want a guy out there playing that's 70, 80%, especially with Teoscar. Final thought from you, just uh, Kevin Gosman, second start as a Blue Jay. What did you see in his uh, debut last Saturday, and what can Jays fans come to expect from him this year? Yeah, I think he's going to be reliable. I think he's going to have a really good and confident demeanor on the mound. Uh, I think he understands that aggressiveness, especially in the American League East, is going to be very, very key. And that's another reason why he not only got the second game of the series against Oakland, but that lined him up to get the finale then against the New York Yankees. This is a guy that has pitched in the AL East. He understands it. He's pitched in big ball games. And he's just an easy, cool, calm cat, man. He's out there on the mound. He understands that, you know what, he doesn't have an overpowering fastball, but he's going to sink it and swim it with the best of them. And he's going to go out and he's going to give the Blue Jays a, a really solid chance, no matter the lineup. And, and that's what they need. They need consistency and they need this rotation to be reliable. And that's what Kevin Gossman is going to give them. And on the heels of Jose Barrios, which should continue to get better and better, and the curveball looked great last night from Jose, Gossman with that splitter is, is going to be a difference maker. I didn't think he had a great one. In his debut, I think it's going to continue to get better and better, especially as uh, the warm weather arrives. And, you know, 
the pitch count is going to be up and, and a little bit more suitable because Gosman was not one of those guys that was super stretched out. Uh, so I just I expect even better returns for Gosman this first month. Ben Wagner, appreciate you as always, man. Hey, and good to hear your voice all over the place this morning. There's, there's nothing, no one's awake here when we're driving in. You were on MLB Network on Sirius. Then we heard you on the CBS syndicated program. Those home run calls getting oh, some oh, run, buddy. Big deal. Oh, I like that. That's good news to spring out of bed Love here it. in uh, Toronto, yeah. Heron. Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats, buddy. I'm glad to keep you guys company. Love it. Chat again soon, Ben. Be well. You know it. Have a great one, guys. You too. Ben Wagner, play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays. I guess, yeah, when uh, you have a three-homer night. The homer hat-trick and the double and the bleeding finger and then the, the snare of the liner to close the game. It was all Vlad. So, I mean, it's a little bit of – really, it's about Ben Wagner, right? And at the end of the day, you don't hear Vladdy's voice. It's, that's Ben Wagner's dulcet tones you're hearing on the radio. You know what he did is the balls that went out of the park, he called them properly. Yeah. So that uh, – you mean when it was a home run? He called he, it a he home called run. It as, or if it, yeah. but if it was a fly, if it was a fly out. He would fly call out, it a fly out, out yeah, yeah. which is, you know, one of the two radio broadcast teams had that nailed last night. This was uh, John Sterling, the uh, uh, infamous, famous TV voice of the Yankees. This is not a home run. Here's the one zero. Swung on, there it goes, deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught. At the wall, caught by Tapia. Boy, I thought that was gone. Yeah, yeah. So we, Stanton got close. Yeah, did you? We, oh, boy, I thought it was really, yeah. eh? That's why you did that home run. You thought oh, you did, eh? Because he, I mean, like the lawn, he got the lawnmower. He pulled. He That's was a hard sell there. There it goes. Oh, deep. Yep, there oh, is deep. Hey, deep it is left on. center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. How far short of the wall? Eight to ten feet? Like, it was warning track. It was the front of the warning track. And it's Stanton, so yeah, okay. And it was a big cut, but... Um, but caught. But caught. So Stanton got close. Yeah. He did get close. It's Yeah. yeah. So do, what, do you get uh, half point? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, half game in baseball, right? Well, That's how yeah. you get that. Uh, hour three of the program coming up. Flames game day. We'll get into... Uh, well, you know what? Give the Flames some credit, mm. which I think we're not shy of doing. Oh, and five in a row, we, Dean. We are watching this team have one of its best seasons in franchise history. I know that uh, you could probably go back over time. There have been better records and all this. That they that they can wrap up. It, it was cause for celebration if in the last game or two of the season they got into one of the final spots. Mm-hmm. They have two and a half weeks left of the season and are cruising in. They can, can punch, punch their, their ticket tonight. Right? One point. That's not insignificant. We'll talk to Justin Bourne, real Kipper and Bourne on your radio. He's on the NHL on Sportsnet. You read him online. We'll get him in next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.